Warning! The Bone Bad Joe is intended for adults only and contains bad words and other yucky stuff that may make some people very angry. So watch out! I could feel the Christmas noose beginning to tighten. Stand by for Titanfall. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 150 of the Bone Bat Show. This is Steve. 
This is Gord. How's it going, man? 150 episodes. Good lord. 150. That's that's like CL. That's what that is. That is a serious landmark, I think. So cheers. Cheers. There's a lot of us yapping on the internet. There really is. Hours and hours of it. God, is any of it any good? <laughs> I hope so. I doubt it. I've heard me. I'm not that impressive. Dude, over over the course of many of these podcasts, I have uh, spoken of my travails with soda at the Nugget Market. I've had my soda cans suddenly burst. I've had people in the soda can aisle like spill stuff and have cans burst. I've had I've had issues. There have been wet accidents involving me, the Nugget, and soda. So uh, I was there recently, bought myself a nice little four-pack of ginger ale. The cashier knocks it over, busts a bottle of ginger ale right there at the register. Glass and sticky fizz everywhere. It's not just me. Or maybe it is just me. I just, I'm wondering why this is still newsworthy in any way to open a show. Our 150th episode is a special occasion, and it's another broken soda story from you. Frankly, I'm a little disappointed that that's what you're coming out of the gate with. That's that's some weak shit right there. You know, that's just my, that's my life. I'm just trying to give you a little snapshot into my life. Basically, I live in a cave. Occasionally, I go out of the cave. I break soda. It is kind of a sad life. Uh, Well, you know what? It is not sad. This show. What is not sad? This show, my friend. This the, show is Tad, which rhymes with sad. incredible crushing music you have been listening to comes from no other than the band Tad. This is the first song off God's Balls, Behemoth. I hope you are digging the ultra-crushing sounds. I gotta say, I've been a fan of Tad for a long time. Now, when it comes to, like, Seattle grunge, Gord... Yeah. I always liked the kind of grimier, heavier, more metal end of it. So I always liked more like Soundgarden and Mudhoney and Tad than I did Pearl Jam and Nirvana. And Tad was one of those bands that that I always just really dug that big, grimy, heavy, uh, Sabbath-influenced sort of music. And... I honestly have been trying to get this guy on the show since 2010 was the first time I emailed him. And, Jeez. And, and even back then, he's like, you know, I don't have anything new right now that I, so, I want to talk about. But, you know, when the time comes, I'll come on the show. I'll come on the show. And so finally, Sub Pop Records released the first three albums from Tad. So God's Balls, the Salt Lick EP, which was produced by Steve Albini, and Eight Way Santa. On these awesome new versions, uh, they're CD or vinyl. They have great liner notes, uh, just really great stuff. And this was the perfect opportunity to finally connect with Tad Doyle. So we're going to have an interview with Tad in a little bit, which is awesome. And we're going to be listening to more music from those releases, as well as his latest band, Brothers of the Sonic Cloth. So how about that? That's awesome. I'm kind of in love with Eight Way Santa. And by the way, listening to Tad, I couldn't help but notice very, very similar vibe to your other super favorite band, the Super Suckers. Yeah, a little bit. There's a little bit of that. But I also, on Salt Lake especially, there is a little bit of a big black sound to it as well. Hmm. I'll have to repoint my ear at that. Yeah, definitely. Listen with the Steve Albini brain. Yeah, and they even do a cover of damaged by black flag that they did for a split seven inch ep 
that he busts into a little bit of uh, Let There Be Rock by ACDC at the end of it. It's just fucking great. You've got to hear it. Really good stuff. That's so all over the place. I love it. Yeah, it's, it's you can just tell. Total music made by music fans. I am enamored of that type of thing, as you well know. Yes, because you are making music and you are a music fan. Speaking of music, oh yes. my God. So the 2017 Bone Bat Comedy of Horrors Film Festival. As you know, Kickstarter's running now. When we're, as we record this, we've got three more days to reach our goal, but we're already at 90%, so we're almost there. We're definitely within striking distance. That's what, another dozen or so enormous packages, uh, twice that by regular tickets, but I think we can totally make this. We can uh, make this. The great news is we can finally announce our music. Wait, that guest. wasn't the great news? No. We've got an oh. uh, awesome artist, Mike Hawkins, whose art is just so far looking fantastic. We posted a teaser on the Facebook page. And, of course, the musical guest. Oh, my God. I'm so thrilled to announce that should we reach our goal, we will be joined at this year's Bone Bat Film Fest by the Supersonic Soul Pimps. I saw these guys live in October, and they're fucking amazing. Oh, my God. They're so good live. I'm just thrilled. I mean, and you remember we had tipped a base at uh, the 2013 Fest. And afterwards, yeah. some people were asking, hey, when are you going to bring Funk back to the Bone Bat Film Festival? It's a fun party music. It shakes your ass. And this band is going to do that better than anyone else. Oh, my God. Thrilled. I'm beyond thrilled that we can have this band on the show. There's going to be so much ass shaking. It's We may have to file a special permit with the city of Seattle just to be zoned for that much ass shaking. And you know what's weird? This was like the last dream band I had for the Bone Bat Film Festival. Because at the time, you know, I really wanted uh, to get Beefy in, and I really wanted to get Kirby Crackle. We were able to make that happen. Tip to Bass, we made them happen. We were able to get the Pine Box Boys up here twice, and now Supersonic Soul Pimps. I don't know what we're going to come up with after this. This has been Here just come the mummies. <laughs> <laughs> We'll have to tear out some seats to fit the whole band on the yeah, stage. Yeah, what are they, God eight, nine it. guys? Yeah. Yeah. All the way from Nashville? I don't know, mm -hmm. man. That would be happen. a hard sell. But, uh, wow. Totally thrilled to have 3SP going to join us at the Comedy of Horrors Film Fest if we reach our goal. Got about 500 bucks, $515 left to make this happen. So uh, order your tickets now, folks. Yeah, get them. So uh, before we move on and listen to a little more Tad. Uh, Gord. Steve. What pisses you off, man? Steve, you know what pisses me off? I do not. Please inform me. Why do they lump sci-fi and fantasy together when you're talking about movies or books or what have you? Science fiction and fantasy, in my head, not the same things. Those should be on opposite sides of the bookstore, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. And you always see, like, Oh, look, it's Star Trek and Conan. What the hell? <laughs> that is kind of weird. I mean, do you feel the same way? Fantasy is like magic. Sci-fi is like ray, ray guns. Science. There's science with sci-fi, and there's magic with the swords on one hand, and there's spaceships on the other hand. Dragons on one side, and, you know, well, maybe the dragon in Star Wars, but you know yeah, what I mean? I don't know that, like, if you go to Half Price Books, they've got it broken out. 
So they've well, got good. like a separate section for sci-fi, a sec- separate section for fantasy, and even a separate section for horror, which I like to see. It's not just jammed into fiction. But well, yeah, uh, you duh. know, it just occurred to me as you said that, like maybe though, is it? You could make the argument that fantasy is alternative history and sci-fi is alternative future. But Star Wars was a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, right, far away. Right, it's so far back, it's futuristic, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't bug me so much to have them lumped together, because in a lot of cases, it's the same reader, probably, that enjoys both genres, so it's convenience of picking it out, but but I can see your point. I, I don't think it's invalid at all. Why, why, thank you. I feel yeah, validated. Well, some people don't like chocolate in their peanut butter. That's right. I don't want peanut butter in my chocolate. They may be two great tastes, but they don't necessarily taste great together. Dip, dip. Steve? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> One day we'll, we'll inform our that listeners what that really means. That is an old-ass joke, an old-ass inside joke. Okay, so you know what pisses me off? What, Steve? As you know, I am a Seattle Seahawks season ticket holder. And yeah. For people who are into the NFL, in, in, into football, what is one of their favorite things? What is their favorite type of game that you can think of? A football game. Yes, but uh, just any, like a regular Sunday game, or what is kind of special? No, a playoff game, a Monday night football game, a high-scoring game. There you go. Which one? The Monday night fo- fucking night games. I, I'm going to let you in a little secret. I hate night games. Hate them. So this Thursday, two nights from when we're recording this, the Rams are coming to town, who've just fired their coach, by the way, to play the Seahawks. They're terrible. So this is how a night game looks in Seattle. you got to leave work early and brave through two hours of shitty traffic to get to the stadium, right? You get there early. It's December, it's fucking freezing cold. So either you're going to be wet and cold or you're going to be dry and even colder. So you have to wear, like, (laughs) flannel pants all day at work. So I'll be hot and sweaty and feeling shitty all day at work. So when I leave early, I go to the game, I don't die of exposure. Then... Do you need one of those scrapers for your windshield but just to scrape the frozen ball sweat off of you? Exactly. Then... It's total amateur hour. The people who go out of their way to get tickets for the night games are the total rooks. You are more likely to have a 20-year-old girl barf on your shoes at a night (laughs) Seahawks game than you are ever going to at a Sunday, a regular time Sunday game. Also, the transportation's fucked. On Sunday games, we we go to the parking ride and we take a shuttle bus directly to the stadium. That's not running on weeknights, so you have to drive down there and pay 40 bucks for parking. There is literally nothing fucking good about night games. Everybody loves them. Oh, Monday night football, Thursday night football. When are the big lights? We're the only game you can watch. It sucks so much. I can't tell you how much the night NFL games piss me off. Do you know what sucks worse than that, though? What's that? Trying to watch a Monday night football game over the internet on fucking sling hey dude you got rid of your cable I, i've got like zero compassion for you with that thing i guess the whole time i was just like okay you're you're doing that i, I it's honorable i guess but when i'm watching shows you might not be <laughs> yeah it's painful let me tell you it's pain oh but all the money i'm saving <sighs> is it worth it or you will you find yourself eventually going back i just don't know 
I found that I watch so little TV once again. It's it's not bad, but my my lovely wife, she's the big football fan, so I have to share her pain when she's like, "Oh, money, turn on the TV, football," but and then like it it sucks, it stutters, it doesn't work. I got to troubleshoot things. Things need to be rebooted, so it becomes my pain as well. <laughs> so That's I don't know. That does sound challenging, which is why I'm keeping cable in HBO. I'm just going to yeah. make life easy. I go in and I point my little uh, remote TV and shows come on. It's great. Bloop, yeah. That's sort of neat. You go to somebody's house and they've got dish or cable or whatever. And they take a remote and they point it at their stuff and then the stuff comes on and you just watch TV. Yeah, it's kind of nice. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, dude, let's listen to a tune. All right. So this is uh, from the aforementioned Salt Lake EP, uh, which was released in 1991. From Tad, this song is Wood Goblins. What?
All right, once again, that was Wood Goblins, taken from the Salt Lick EP, newly re-released from Sub Pop Records. Hope you dug that one. And joining me now, I am thrilled to say, not only an icon of Seattle music, but of heavy music in general, the one and only Tad Doyle. How you doing, man? Good, sir. How are you doing, Steve? Oh, I'm doing fantastically well, and thank you so much for joining us on the show. As our listeners know, I am a huge fan of heavy music and distortion, and Tad has always been a band that has just appealed to me immensely. So to have an opportunity to chat with you about these early uh, reissues, that's a really cool opportunity. So thanks. Well, thanks for having me on the show. It's been a long time coming, and thanks for your patience. Oh, it's my pleasure. Uh, so, so I was looking through the, the liner notes of God's Balls, and it, it, there was a mention there of when you went in for your first Tad single to record that, and you had like four distortion pedals all linked together. You're a man after my own heart because my pedal board is made out of distortion or fuzz or whatever. And it's even if I only use it, I'm going to use it for one song. I want to have it there. So I was totally able to appreciate, you know, daisy chaining a ton of distortion or fuzz together. That was really cool. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, To Jack and Dino's dismay, it was what was happening. (laughs) Right. So is it accurate then that, that you guys were really a band for only two weeks before you recorded this record? Yeah, as a whole, with Gary and Steve in the band, it'd been two weeks that we're playing together as a band. That's amazing um, to me. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's just so tight. I, one of the things that God's Balls makes me think of is it's like humid with distortion. It's almost suffocating. There's not a lot of breathing room there, and every song just sounds epic. Yeah, for sure. It, it, it was fun to do. I was curious because there was a quote in uh, the notes from uh, Kurt Danielson that at the time in Seattle, the zeitgeist was a palpable active force. You could feel it informing your life and actions on a subconscious level. And Sub Pop was a concrete manifestation of that abstraction. And, and uh, you know, I moved to Seattle in uh, 2002, so it was kind of after the whole big music boom had ended. Now that... that you think of it or discuss back on those days does the reality live up to the legend of what kind of the grunge period has become well uh i can only speak for myself you know we're doing what we're doing and we're definitely you know blazing some new trails there with the help of a lot of our influences so you know it was a very exciting time and there's lots going on and uh very very vital and uh inspiring music scene here in seattle as it has been and always will be i think mm-hmm. what were the the clubs that you were most likely to play at back in those days oh back then it would have been squid row uh the vogue color box the the central tavern mm-hmm. you know those were the, the the few that we frequented mostly did that momentum was that part of the driving force behind, okay, we've just been a band a little while, but let's get in the studio and let's lay something down? Well, I think it's just uh, with the the advent of uh, the first single that I did by myself, you know, I just wanted wanted to follow it up and Sub Pop was interested in having us do that. You know, I, I realized that it was just too much work to just be one guy doing a band. So <laughs> sure, absolutely. Enlisted the help of uh, three of my best friends fantastic so then I, I understand you released that album you did a little touring and mm-hmm. then you were able to work with one of my heroes steve albini for the salt lake ep 
in Chicago. And it, what, it's funny because we featured Big Black on the show a while back, and I, I emailed him. I hey, hey, are you cool with us? You know, featuring on the show. He said, "Why would I care what you do on your podcast? Go for it." <laughs> so it, that seemed to be like a a good example of Steve's no nonsense demeanor. What was it like to work with him? Oh, he's a uh... He's very, very knowledgeable in what he does, so it was really fun to do. Um, he's very much, you know, just get it done, uh, no fucking around, just uh, you got a mission, do it. So there wasn't a lot of uh, experimentation going on with us. We had flown out there, and we recorded and mixed it in two days, so it was pretty fast. Yeah, it definitely sounds like a whirlwind. Yeah. So I know he's kind of a foodie. Uh, did he cook for you by any chance? He did not cook for us, but he took us to a few joints, you know, here and there. <laughs> nice. We had Chicago deep dish pizza, of course, and he took us to some, some Polish places and a nice breakfast joint. And I can't even remember the names of them. <laughs> Fantastic. On the Salt Lake EP, the new reissue, you have a, a cover of Damaged there. And uh, I absolutely love the, the mashup of Black Flag with a little bit of ACDC thrown in there. Have you ever had a chance to discuss your take on it with Rollins? No, I haven't, and, and I would have welcomed that. Uh, I don't know how he would have taken it because, you know, I'm, I'm a huge ACDC fan, and uh -huh. they can do no wrong in my, my mind. So to me, that song Damaged sounded a little bit like that song. <laughs> so I'm like, what the hell, you know? Oh, no, it's fucking perfect. And the, the thing is, I think Rollins, being such a music fan himself, I, I think he would have appreciated. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. So following that release, then you guys did a, a European tour, right? Yes. When that was completed, you came back to Seattle. Now, did you record Eight Way Santa in Seattle? Or did uh, you go to did. Butch Vig's place? We did demos in Seattle with Endino, but then we went to Butch Vig's place in Madison, Wisconsin, and recorded it with him there. I love listening to Eight Way Santa. That was the first uh, release of yours that I had actually listened to. And, you know, for me, like I mentioned, God's Balls to me is so dense, and Salt Lick has that sort of more of a abrasive, jagged sort of a sound to it. Like, you can hear that big black sking kind of thing going on. and. Right. To me, 8-Way Santa kind of boiled it down, and it was more concise and more catchy. It's like eating a sleeve of Chips Ahoy. I mean, it's just, it's that one after another as you listen to that album for me. Right. Well, a lot of that had to do with the fact that uh, we were trying new things that we hadn't done before. And we knew that we needed to do something different with each release or, you know, be doomed to just doing the same crap over and over. Nobody wants to keep hearing it over and over. Right. At least we didn't, so uh, we wanted to stay fresh and uh, push ourselves musically to do something different. I like how you boiled things down, but you still maintained that same kind of powerful distortion sound, but in more bite-sized chunks, you know what I mean? Right, yeah, I agree. Are you the main person who names albums and songs for Tad? Because I, I've always been super impressed with, with the fact that like every song sounds like something I'd want to listen to. Like nowadays, there's these like long, unwieldy song titles like "Balefully Regarding the Koozie of Eternal Ignorance" or some shit like that. And you've got like <laughs> Satan's Chainsaw, zero fucking around. That sounds awesome. I want to listen to that. Thistle Soup. Right. That sounds badass. 3D <laughs> Witch Hunt. That sounds badass. I always loved your song titles. Right. 
Well, that was a combination of Kurt and I. We're the lyric writers, and we came up with the uh, titles for songs, too. So, yeah, it was uh, it was fun stuff to do. Those are the questions I have about the sub-pop reissues. Uh, why don't we listen to a tune and then come back and uh, talk about your newer stuff? Sounds great. Uh, you want to introduce this one? Absolutely. This is a song called Wired God from 8-Way Santa. And we are back. Once again, that was Wired God, taken from 1991's Eight-Way Santa, newly re-released on Sub Pop Records. Uh, you can pick it up at finer record stores everywhere. And back with us again is Tad Doyle. So, Tad, a question that I, yes. I was kind of wondering as I was listening to these reissues again. Uh, how do you think that Inhaler or Infrared Riding Hood might have been different had you stayed at Sub Pop? Well, uh... 
boy, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that those were the songs that were coming out of us then. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we, we had some a lineup change. You know, Steve wasn't all, no longer in the band as the drums. So we had Josh Sender join us at that point. So it, things were starting to change there anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, the last EP we did was uh, Salem Leper Welt on Sub Pop. And I think that they just wanted to keep the uh, reissues just to the original lineup. So that's why we just excluded that EP. Oh, okay. But, uh, yeah. I have no idea how it would have sounded differently. Hmm, that's probably a, a dumb music nerd question, but uh, I was curious. What the hell? No, it's a good question. <laughs> I just don't know if I had a good answer. So how was the uh, Q&A that you did when the reissues came out? What was that like? That was good. It was fun to hang out with all the guys again, and Jonathan Poneman was there, and he's pretty much running the, the questions, and mm-hmm. it was fun to connect with the fans as a band, you know? After all these years, you know, it's been quite a while. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, it just is what it is. It's uh, good stuff for for music, I think. Are you able to kind of look back at, at those early albums and appreciate the influence that it's had on heavy music? Um, certainly, yeah. I, I think that there's been a, a big influence on uh, a lot of the stuff that's happening even now. One of the things that struck me is when I was listening to the remasters that Indino was doing is like the delivery of the band was like spot on. I mean, we're pretty tight and uh, I was able to listen to those songs for the first time in my life as a listener, uh-huh. not as a musician. So it was like, I was like taken back by how deliberate and uh, powerful it was. And it, it, and it also cracked me up, you know, some of it's <laughs> pretty badass, you know, Absolutely. Well, yeah, that's that's one of the things that well, why I was so amazed by it. it took you two weeks for that first album because you are so tight and so together. And, you know, I play in Granite uh, Bands for fun, but we've been playing three years and we're not that tight. So I can appreciate that from a musical standpoint. That, God damn, that's really cool. <laughs> cool. So uh, let's move on to your latest uh, effort, Brothers of the Sonic Cloth, which... Uh, you had a new release, uh, your debut titled uh, album in 2015 on Neurot Records. It's an awesome slab of heavy music. And I, I got to ask, so you formed Brothers in 2007. You own a studio. How did it take you till 2015 to release your first album? Well, a lot of it was just writing songs and finding the right drummer, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that that took some time. I, I being a guy with a drumming background, I just couldn't accept just any guy playing drums. So Sure, yeah, that we makes sense. We had a sense. few guys that played for a while, and they just weren't right for the job. So it, it took some time to find uh, Dave, so we, we went with that. And then, you know, I, I just, uh, I like to add a lot of layers, so mm-hmm. that, that takes some time, too. And I wanted the, the record to be vocal heavy, so I was doing uh, quite a few vocals as well. One of my favorite songs on the album, Unnamed, has like double vocals going in each ear. And they're absolutely fantastic the way that that song puts together. I love listening to that song on headphones. Oh, thank you. Yeah. We like to think that the, uh, along with Billy Anderson doing the uh, mixing on that, that we thought it'd be fun to have it be a real ear candy record and Mm -hmm. a lot of things happening in stereo field. 
you know, you wouldn't notice unless you really got in there and listened on headphones. So we're glad that somebody actually did. <laughs> Absolutely. Again, being such a big fan of distortion, I just love when you hear those those fat tones kind of, you know, bouncing from ear to ear. And it just gives you chills at some points. For me, it's a really satisfying type of music. And I like how you sort of mix up the different flavors. Like, for instance, Empires and Dust is a tune that is, like, more doomy, like with three O's, but in a chuggy way, not in a droney way, really. And it still has, like, maybe even black metal touches to it, which I just dig. Sure. Yeah. We like to flex our muscles in all the uh, metal genres as much (laughs) as possible on that record. Nice. So I understand that uh, right now you're sort of in musical hibernation. What is next for Brothers of the Sonic Clock? Well, we're writing new material, and uh, we'll see how long, where that takes us and how long it'll take us. And uh, I'm also doing uh, some uh, solo work on some stuff that people wouldn't really expect me to do. So, Oh, nice. It's, it's going to be fun to have that come out. Um, still working on it, though, so okay. probably be next year sometime. Well, please keep us in the loop here, because we'd definitely like to have an opportunity to share it with our audience. Yeah, absolutely. Well, very cool. Again, thank you so much for uh, spending a few minutes with us here on the Bone Bass Show. I've got one last question for you, Tad, that we always ask all of our guests here on Bone Bat. What pisses you off, man? Well, uh, boy, there's so much. (laughs) (laughs) Narrow it down. Okay, so one of my pet peeves is driving and people driving with their cell phones in their hands. (laughs) It's just, uh, it, not only is it stupid, it's dangerous. And uh, I wish I had a nickel for every time I saw, looked over and saw somebody texting or holding their phone to their ear and not paying attention to driving. I'd be, you know, I'd have like at least $8,500 by now. I'm not joking. And what, In nickels. Oh, yeah. And one, <laughs> and one of the things you ever notice, like, inevitably, when you almost get cut off, by somebody and you have to like slam on the brakes and then you pull up next to them they're almost always on their phone and they're doing that bullshit kind of holding it up like they're talking on speakerphone like the hands-free remote hasn't been invented yet what the fuck it's ridiculous it's just beyond preposterous yeah absolutely and where's where's all the state cops that are supposed to be giving tickets for this stuff i never see them yo no you never see them ever but they're they're there when i'm going five miles over the speed limit and they pull (laughs) me over that's a more hazard than somebody <laughs> holding their cell phone. Right. No shit, Tad. The other day I was sitting at a light and a cop pulled up to next to me and he was on his cell phone. <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Who watches the Watchmen? What the hell? Yeah. Boy. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you again for joining us on the show. Where can our listeners find your stuff? Well, uh, we have a web store that's attached to the taddoyle.com website and, uh, you can get all the Tad stuff, all the reissues, Tad merch, shirts, whatnot, and Brothers of the Sonic Claw stuff there. It's under the, the tab that says merch in the taddoyle.com web store. And you can also get it from Sub Pop, and you can get it from Neurot Recordings as well. Perfect. All right, man. Well, uh, you want to introduce this next song? Absolutely. This is uh, a uh, fine example of uh, Heavy. This song is called Unnamed. How did you come up with that title? That title? <laughs> it's unnamed, right? <laughs> well, it, it has to do with the lyrics, and uh, it's more just about uh, 
not putting limitations on yourself with labels. So I figured the best way to do that is to be unnamed. <laughs> and uh, that way that you can't be uh, pigeonholed in what you're doing. Perfect. Well, here it is, listeners. Unnamed.
Hi, this is Tad Doyle of the band Tad and Brothers of the Sonic Cloth. You're listening to the Bone Bat Show. Keep listening. All right. Once again, thank you so much to Tad Doyle for joining us on the show. It's an absolute thrill. Uh, that last tune, of course, was unnamed from Brothers of the Sonic Cloth's debut release, which came out in 2015 on Neurot Records. Buy it at a finer record store near you. Uh, how about a little weird shit, Gord? Hey, how about it? Uh, I think at some point on our show we may have discussed the uh, Auto Blow 2. <laughs> I think we did. Yeah. Well, there's, there's some more Auto Blow 2 news. The Auto Blow 2 people, they're having an... <laughs> the Auto Blow, from the people who brought you Auto Blow 2. From the like people who bought you Auto Blow. Like like somebody's, Auto Blow 2. Somebody's business card somewhere reads President Auto Blow. You know, that's just the product, though. I'm not sure of the actual company name. Oh, you don't know if it's Auto Blow Enterprises or something like that? I don't know if it's Auto Blow LLC, Auto Blow Inc. I don't know, or if it's just something completely different. Auto like, Blow sounds like a rapper to me. MC Auto Blow. MC Auto Blow. <laughs> I think of that song, uh, Auto Beat Airbus, but it's Auto Blow Airbus, and I get a whole different beep, visual in my beep, head. it. <laughs> they should do a sequel, and that's what the sequel should be. <laughs> Wheelie Cyberman spitting rhymes about the Auto Blow too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the Auto Blow people from... I don't know. I'm assuming the name of the company is Kellogg's. <laughs> Nabisco Blow. Nabisco Blow. <laughs> oh, I, was, I wasn't ready for this. Blow, blow, blow. Green giant. Yeah, the Auto Blow 2 people are having an anus beauty contest. <laughs> Wait, what? That's exactly what it sounds like. They're having an anus beauty contest, and the winner of this contest can win a $5,000 first prize. So the deal is, I guess they're trying to think of a new, shall we say, receptacle to decorate the end of their uh, their device with. And so by having people send in pictures of their own personal anatomy and then putting those up on some sort of a leaderboard that people can vote on, they're, they're going to pick what is the most you know beautiful crowdsourced anus they they can come up with if you'll pardon I the expression. I just imagine like you have to to register. Just register with your Facebook account. <laughs> well, you know how Windows Ten has that facial recognition feature. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the same but different. <laughs> so pretty soon, like iPhone will have ass time. Yeah. It's it's like a thumbprint, but more oh, personal. Right. <laughs> yeah, a little harder to get to. Definitely, you know, they can pull your thumbprint off a doorknob. Definitely harder for the police to print you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know they always put the rookie cop on that on that job too. Fingerprinting, not quite. <laughs> oh shit! That's You'll so need the funny. gloves. Yeah, that's that's terrible. Yeah, so I guess the winner they're going to uh, they're going to scan the winning anus, uh, 3D scan it, and then make a mold of it, and that that will be the topper for the new Auto Blow Two or perhaps Auto Blow Three. I don't know. What's to keep them from just pirating your anus and not giving <laughs> you the prize? <laughs> like a butt pirate? Is that where you're going with this? <laughs> I wasn't, but I see how you went right there. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. Do you is you, is your anus? Do you have intellectual property rights over that? <laughs> I would think so. It's your anus, you know. But you yeah, know, the problem is, then you're always having to defend your anus IP, and it, that's court. just a pain in the ass. Yeah, <laughs> you got to get you know the legal team involved. You know, it's funny how you, you're going out of your way to avoid talking about politics, and you're still talking about assholes. That's true. I can't get away from it, can I? It seems like it. I so, hey, you. Enter, your, your asshole can win you 5000 bucks, And fame and fortune, or at least fame, I'd be scared to use one of those. I mean, how do you even know that that, that receptacle is molded after the gender of the person that you want to be you know, fantasizing about where you to be using it. Hey, why does it matter, man, if it feels good? Plus, you can make the argument that a rubber butthole doesn't even have a jet. I guess. I, I guess once you get to auto blow too, that that's the kind of consideration that's no longer relevant. <laughs> oh, my God. So that's enough of that. Yeah, that's enough of that. <laughs> why don't we what listen? you won the contest and then you're like Bob Dylan and you just don't show up to collect it. They start putting posters up. Have you seen this asshole? Jesus. All right, let's listen to another tune. All right. I'm thinking another one from uh, Eight Way Santa. Now, you know, it's funny because he talks about in the liner notes that people didn't know what Eight Way Santa was. And it turns out that it was like a tab of acid that was so potent that you had to split it eight ways or it would like blind you or something. Oh, jeez. But I always thought that Eight Way Santa sounded like some kind of a bizarre sex act. So I don't know. <laughs> Santa, you know what's sad is I did too. Santa's a giver, right? He is. Yeah, and he's got so, a big sack. There you go. The, the comparisons keep on coming. Yeah. Anyway. He comes down your chimney. Why don't we listen to another tune from that album? How about Jack Pepsi? Let's do it.
right, once again, that was Jack Pepsi taken from Eight Way Santa, released originally in 1991, newly re-released by Sub Pop Records this very year. You can pick that up at finer record stores everywhere, like Silver Platters right here in the Seattle area. That's where I got mine. Oh, nice shout out. Well, thank you. Hey, so uh, how about a little multimedia triage? You want to talk about uh, whatever we're digging on right now? Yeah, why not? Did we ever talk about Fantastic Breasts and where to find them? I don't think that's the title. But yeah, I saw that That film. That explains why that movie was very different than what I thought it was going to be. I I can definitely discuss that film. I've seen it. All right, so I didn't read the book. I was expecting nothing about the film. I just was going to see the movie to get out of the house. That was a great flick. If you Uh, haven't seen that flick, you should see that flick. I enjoyed it. I thought uh, the, the book itself is not really that. It's a textbook, essentially, for the kids at Hogwarts. So it, it's basically a, like a monster manual. Oh, all right. And I'm glad so, I didn't bother to so, read it. So, yeah, the, the background is, you know, in the story, it's the guy who writes that book one day. So that's, you know, how they get there. But uh, the film itself was fun. I especially liked uh, the muggle guy from the U.S. He was great. Yeah, he and was wonderful. His girlfriend. I can, the two of them should have adventures on their own. That that was yeah, just awesome. I'm sure they do. Woof. <laughs> but yeah, yeah so I thought it was if you're a, not a Harry Potter fan, you can still go and really have a good time watching this movie. Yeah, I, I think it was just uh it was big screen fun. Definitely. Yeah. And it's and the I, kind had, of thing. I took a surly teenager, he liked it. I took my elderly parents, they liked it. Yeah, yeah no, check definitely it out. a fun film. Yeah, and the other movie that I saw, which you had seen and you didn't want to talk about, but now we can, Doctor Strange. Wow, so it was like an all-magic couple of weeks for you guys. It was, and you know the best thing about Doctor Strange? That cloak. Yeah, the cloak is awesome. That Although, was that was so Dr. Seuss. I love that were cloak. Were they ripping off the uh, flying rug in Aladdin just a little bit? <laughs> just a lot? Yeah, I, I was thinking that. The I, I guess you have essentially a piece of cloth that's animated and can beat people I guess, up. though, they're both Disney right now, right? So it's all good. Oh, I guess so. <laughs> Do you think that the carpet from Aladdin actually played the same role? Did they No, they get I think it was out? different. But, uh, oh. you know, I always preferred the carpet because he could spin his tassels. <laughs> I thought you were going to make a, a carpet match the curtains joke, but you went in a totally different direction. <laughs> I, I do that sometimes. Sometimes I, I, zig, I zig when you think I'm going to zag. Yeah. Yeah, and did they also completely rip off uh, the visual effects from Inception? Yes. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, so But I that thought was it was cool. fun, and I thought that uh, his friend Wong was fantastic. And that guy, do you remember, he was in an episode of Black Mirror. Yes. Which I Black thought Mirror. was awesome. Yeah, I had just seen... I had just seen Doctor Strange when we started watching Black Mirror. And I was like, oh my god, who's that guy? That's Wong from Doctor Strange. That's so cool. Yeah, I saw it in the reverse order on Doctor Strange. I'm like, oh, that's the guy. That's that's the guy with the bees. The yeah, FBI guy. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. totally cool. Now he has the same voice. Is it the same actor that plays um, Kubla Khan? I'm not sure. I think it is. It could be. Yeah, I don't know, but that's that's who I thought it was. Also, not as uh, majestic, all swathed in pelts and whatnot. But, <laughs> yeah, that was cool. So speaking of Harry Potter, I watched Imperium. Uh, I don't know. With Daniel what, Radcliffe? I don't know what oh, that is. That's one of those uh, inspired by true events, but not the actual story of. Daniel Radcliffe plays an FBI agent who has to go 
undercover to get into a white power organization that may have materials to make a dirty bomb and that may be planning to set off said bomb in the D.C. area. And it's it's a typical, you know, tense, undercover cop kind of movie. But it was it was really smart and it really showed the philosophy of some of these white power guys and how they're really, you know, that's not just one monolithic group with one idea. Mm-hmm. It There's a lot of different kinds of guys that sort of orbit around the same basic tenet. One of the things I thought was interesting that they stressed was they're always tr- hoping that there's going to be this thing that happens that causes a race war. Like, you know, Terry Nichols, Oklahoma City bombing, that's why he did it. He thought he was going to spark the race war. But their philosophy is it's not the event that does it. It's the reaction to the event, hmm. which is really scary when you start thinking about, you know, our incoming president and how he sees himself as a law and order president with absolutely no regard for the Constitution or laws or he's quick to uh, want to go to the extreme. So it's not the event. It's the reaction to it, which causes all the strife. But anyway, that that aside, the movie itself is still pretty damn cool. Imperium. Okay. And then on the other end of things, I watched uh, Spectoral on Netflix. You seen that one? I have not. All right. Streaming on Netflix, Spectoral, I think it's a Netflix exclusive, like they, they made the movie or produced it or whatever, starring nobody I recognize at all, directed by <laughs> nobody I recognize at all. <laughs> Set in the very near future in Europe, there's a civil war going on, and our high-tech Marines are going in to try to do the thing they do, but all of a sudden they start being set upon by an invisible force. It's essentially Marines versus, like, ghosts. And it's it's pretty fun. It's big dumb fun. If you want to watch a monster movie and then forget about it ten minutes later, that's definitely one to watch. All right. A, a lot of shooting, a lot of running around, a few kind of spooky, jump-scary type things. And then uh, what else am I digging on? Uh, the Siege of Jadotville, another streaming Netflix thing. That is that a series a, or a movie? That is a movie. It is a, once again, based on real events, but this is much more of a, they try to be true to the real story. It takes place in the Congo in 1961. And this is a period of time I know dick about when it comes to the Congo. I mean, I'm, I'm aware of what happened with the genocide, with the Belgians, and then there's this kind of blank space in my knowledge of that area. And then once uh, everything goes to shit in Rwanda, then my knowledge of what goes on in the Congo starts up again. But 1961, I couldn't tell you even if it was a country. Until I saw this movie! <laughs> well, good. It <laughs> and filled in some set. gaps for you. Yeah, my gaps are filled, thank God. So these Irish peacekeepers go in to the Congo to keep the peace... And because there's a warlord who's decided he was going to break off the southern part of the country and make it his own. This comes right after the people have elected a new president. The president says, hey, you know what? All these mines, all this mineral wealth, this really should be ours. I'm going to nationalize it. And uh, this warlord goes, you know what? No, in the south, we're not going to nationalize it. We're going to team up with the factories that have been running the show for a long time here. And we're going to shoot anybody that disagrees with us. So these poor Irish guys, they've never been in a battle in their life, just a little UN peacekeeping force. All of a sudden, they are set upon in a siege-type situation. It is a cool war movie. 
I learned some stuff, and damn, check it out. I gave it five stars. Cool. Okay. Siege of Jadotville, streaming on Netflix. Wow, a lot of streaming stuff this month. A lot of streaming. So you don't you have know to that works, wait for but that you can't disc. do football. Yeah. You have to wait for <laughs> right. that disc. That's nice. So, Steve, it, it is kind of sorrowful. Chew. Chew yeah. is done. Chew is over. Uh, issue 60 came out about a week and a half ago and uh, brought to close the saga of uh, John Lehman and uh, Robert Guillory's amazing, amazing comic series. It's so wonderful when they they set out to do a whole story. They've got a beginning. They've got an end. And then they do it. It takes yeah. them several years, but they did it. Yeah, and man. And, and it was a series that was funny. And uh, at moments, it was heart-wrenching. God, sad as, sad as hell sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, for something that, that is peopled with chogs, that would be half a chicken, half frog. Uh, right. mutant creatures and just crazy silliness it had a lot of heart to it and i really enjoyed reading it and would recommend it highly at some point they'll probably come out with like some big absolute edition of it that would look awesome on your bookshelf and you should definitely pick it up it's a fabulous series that may be my favorite comic book right after scud i was gonna maybe, say maybe yeah i know you're a fan of scud comic of yeah. all time so what about you, Steve? I've blabbed on enough. What uh, what have you been checking out? Well, you know, we've uh, been watching a couple of Christmas movies lately. So, uh, Scream so Factory. not war movies? I thought this was the war movie season. No, no, it's December, man. So oh. it's time for some Christmas stuff. So we watched uh, uh, Scream Factory just re-released a Blu-ray collector's edition of Black Christmas, directed, of course, by Bob Clark of A Christmas Story fame, which just blows my mind honestly that the guy who did ralphie also did like the first christmas slasher film in a sorority house it's just insane that is nuts uh film looks great it is a kind of a slow burn with uh, a lot of stalking of young ladies going on but a really tense film and it has a very uh kind of nebulous ending you don't quite know what happens and you come away from it asking questions which is really cool so i would definitely recommend if you have never seen black christmas it's well worth your time you should line it up this year uh we watched krampus again and again uh, yeah it was a lot of fun the second time around uh again it was really cool going in the krampus uh haunted house at universal studios so i was kind of looking forward to seeing the film again after having that experience and that was fun uh not quite as good as a new film that was released on uh, netflix recently called a christmas horror story and it's one of these anthology films that actually uh, features william shatner as a radio DJ, kind of like a almost a Rush Limbaugh type, but not that hard, who is uh, he's kind of drinking some spiked eggnog and telling Christmas stories over the radio. And as he does so, these tales unweave in front of you. Uh, one of them is uh, a Santa Claus tale where Santa is beset by zombie elves. There's nice. another one with a uh, trolls uh this woman's son they're out picking up a christmas tree and uh they come back from the woods and her son isn't quite what he used to be there's something a little off about him uh there's some kids who go to a uh closed off i guess asylum of some sort and get locked in for the weekend 
And the final tale is this family visits their family home for the weekend and they're beset by Krampus. So it has these four different tales that are going on at the same time. But instead of just playing a tale in typical Tales from the Crypt style and doing them one at a time, they interweave the four tales together, which sometimes leaves you a little bit going, what in the hell is going on and what's the story on this? Some of the stories themselves are kind of undercooked. This would be a great story to have going on at a Christmas party where it's like playing in the corner and every once in a while something fucked up happens and everybody goes, oh my God, look at that. But as far as sitting down and watching it and concentrating on it, it has quite a bit of weaknesses to it. So it's definitely not one of my favorite Christmas horror films. Hmm. All right. You would be much better served just watching Gremlins again, honestly. Which is always or the fourth rule of Gremlins, for that matter. <laughs> that you should watch that as a follow-up. Absolutely, I uh, just started playing Telltale's Batman series. I've played the first chapter, uh, which is pretty cool. I love the artwork in it. The uh, action stuff doesn't seem quite as unwieldy as in uh, Walking Dead, for instance, where it's like you, you're going to die and you've got to re- redo it again because you weren't ready. You know, you're sitting there watching the story unfold, and all of a sudden there's zombies. Ah! Yeah. So Batman, it seemed to, to be a little more fluid the way the action scenes were interwoven. Or maybe there was just more action scenes. But uh, I really enjoyed what I've played so far. And I think the fifth episode is going to air by uh, the time next week, something like that. So by the next episode, I'll be able to tell you about all five episodes. All right, then. And, uh Finally, I you know, I usually don't talk about po- other podcasts on the show. That's usually what you do. That's what I do to make you jealous. Yeah, when it drives me nuts. But I stumbled across a, a couple of podcasts last week that I've really been enjoying, so I wanted to call them out. Uh, have you ever listened to the Creative Control Podcast with two Ks? No. It's uh, done by a guy named Vijgana. And uh, he does a lot of artists, but uh, musicians as well. And this is a really cool episode, or a pair of episodes, actually. It's about uh, three hours worth of Ian MacKay from Fugazi and Steve Albini from Big Black and Shellac interviewing each other. Huh. And, wow. And talking about music and bands that they've met and just different things going on in the world. And it's freaking fantastic. It is so very good. And these are both musicians that I really respect, and I just really enjoyed listening to the podcast. So you should check it out. Good stuff. Creative Control. And that's all I've got. All right, cool. Well, that Creative Control sounds pretty awesome. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah, I mean, this is is episode 223 and 224, so there's a lot of stuff to go back in the archives and check out. And it's three hours of them? Yeah, it's like two, each episode? Like two 90-minute episodes. I don't think his normal episodes are this long. I think this was kind of a special thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, all right, cool. And am I, I don't really feel jealous. I know you feel jealous like I'm cheating on you when, when I w- listen to another podcast. I'm, I'm remarkably okay with this. <laughs> okay, then. Maybe we should have an open relationship, Steve. Yeah, I don't think so. You're not allowed <laughs> to be on other podcasts. <laughs> Like any other podcast would have me. Who would have me? That's true. Yeah, the the, the uh, burst cola stories only go so far. <laughs> right. <laughs> Wait till next week, man. I'm going to talk about spilling it in my own house. Fascinating. <laughs> Do tell. All right, man. Well, uh, why don't we get the hell out of here? All right. 
Our usual bullshit. You can reach the show at 425-296-6557 or via email to steve at bonehand.com. We've got new stuff on bonehand.com every once in a while. It's also the home of the heavy half hour. And you can find my stuff at mightywombat.com. We've got a Facebook page. I've got a Facebook page. Mighty underscore Wombat is me on the Twitter. We have a film festival. We've got a Kickstarter. We're everywhere. You can follow me on Twitter as well. I'm Bonehand over there. And uh, we also have a Bonebat Twitter feed where you will most likely see things. If that is your uh, favorite method of social media, you'll find things about the film festival. I even post stuff on Instagram every once in a while now. Uh, you can what? find me at Bonehand over there. Uh, also, uh, the Aren't aforementioned pretty little girl? Facebook group, as Gord mentioned, is a good place to uh, find sweet deals when bands come out with new stuff. That's where we post it. Uh, jokes, videos, all kinds of cool stuff there. And, of course, if you like what we do, please spread the word and tell a friend. You know, actually, what? it came to my attention recently that we uh, haven't had a new iTunes review in a while. So uh, if you want to give us a Christmas gift, why not do that? That'd be all right. That'd be a nice gift, yeah. You know what? Fuck that. Buy a ticket to the Bombat Film Festival. It's got to be an even better gift. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I've been, yeah, drinking, I've been drinking this uh, Black Raven Festivus Ale. It's delicious, but uh, I'm getting a little loopy. So there you go. You've always been a little loopy. Once again, the Kickstarter, 90%. We are this close to having the best film festival in Seattle next April. You, you know you want to go. It's going to be a great time. Please buy a ticket now. Our last song tonight. I think I'd like to go back and play another one from Brothers of the Sonic Cloth. So... This is a sprawling epic tune from that release on Neurot Records, 2015. I hope you dig it. This is La Mano Poderosa. Once again, a Merry Christmas and have a good one. I do have a good one. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Blow, blow, blow.
wait, 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 wait. We got an update. Update. That's right. Uh, since we recorded this show, it turns out that the Kickstarter campaign for the 2017 Boneback Comedy Forest Film Fest has fully funded. Yeah. We are now That's at. Nice. Yeah, isn't that great? Uh, thank you so much to all the generous pleasures. Ah, pleasures. All the generous <laughs> pledgers and pleasures, backers. What? Pledgers and backers who. Uh, and thank you to pleasure as well. Have supported the film fest. Uh, currently, as we record this, we've only got seven hours to go, but uh, we've got seventy backers, and we are at one hundred and two percent. We do have a couple of cool stretch goals so uh hopefully people are jumping on those before time is up but uh once again thank you so much we have guaranteed a comedy of horrors film fest we have guaranteed it's happening, man. It's happening. we've guaranteed supersonic soul pimps we've guaranteed awesome art from mike hawkins not to be confused with gordon Hawkins. and what about the Some movies gordon what can we promise movie wise dude we can promise some of the best shorts these people have ever seen. We, you're going to laugh. You're going to cry. You're going to be scared, probably all at the same time. And that's just from the shorts. Might even cream your jeans, just saying. Your own jeans this time, Steve. <laughs> yes, let's hope. Yeah. <laughs> Bring a mop. All right, so thanks again to all the backers and supporters, and we will see you soon. Have a good one. I do have a good one. Oh, yeah!